What do you think about that? Man, I'm so happy. Man, I couldn't quit shaking. I'd rather not specifically talk about Copenhagen for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we could. I mean, we, then we could get uh, the endorsement from Bubba and Grizzly, and we could do a compare and contrast on the two different types of dips and the effects <laughs> and which one's stronger and the flavor that lasts longer. Which one helps you kill more deer? The guy with the buck downs got the Grizzly. No, it saves money. Oh, man. <laughs> saves a buck, not... Kills a buck. Oh, Saves a buck. I, kills I a buck. <laughs> Same difference. Yeah. Welcome to the Chase Outdoors podcast, brought to you live from the heart of the best mule deer hunting unit in the state of Arizona. We are in the promised land of mule deer. Um, basically, every single place that we've looked so far, we've seen a lot of mule deer. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> so we're uh, sitting in central Arizona right now. We're by the campfire. Got the generator going with some background noise. I got Cole Kemp with me, Dylan Curry, the usual. Uh, got Tanner Kemp, Cole's older brother. We got Bubba Sr. by the fire. He's going to keep us warm. He's keeping the wood on the fire. And we got our man Percy, who had a close encounter today with his first deer, but, you know, just a little bit low. And we'll get back in the morning and hopefully get him on a deer. But these gentlemen had some success this morning. Cole, you want to maybe take us off on what took place this morning with your dad and him getting his deer? Yeah, we... Uh Woke up this morning, kind of had a, my dad had a game plan of kind of where he wanted to hit this morning. Just had a good feeling that there'd be some deer in the area. And uh, me and my buddy Connor hiked over there with, with him. And um, right off the bat, I think it was like right around 7 o'clock, uh, my dad glassed up this little herd of some does and uh, two little bucks. Um, one nice little little 3 by 2 which he ended up shooting. But um, long story short, uh, Connor sat back. Uh, as my dad and I kind of worked down this wash and uh, got in a position, and the six-five hipster freaking let the air out of a mule deer. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that seems to be a, that's like the popular popular yeah. round this year. So how many people? There was three tags total um, out here, right? I mean, you had Grandpa had one. Grandpa had one, which he he actually missed a deer this morning too. I'm um, a little bit better deer, which I was talking with him once we got back to the vehicle, and um, I just kind of had that realization of like. You know, that was the first time he's shot at a deer since I've been alive. So we're out here hunting with three generations of camps, which is, I think it's always awesome when you have, like, yeah, multiple generations in camp. And uh, for him to get a shot opportunity, I think, is, it was just huge. You know, he was jazzed about it, and he hiked a bunch with Tanner, which he can talk about in a little bit. But uh, I think it kind of kind of gave him a new burst of energy in his how life, old, uh, you know. How old was your grandpa? 72. Man. Old hitting guy the, out here hitting the hills. Killing it though. When I'm that old, I, I just want one of those jackets, it. man. He had oh, what? Yeah. A jacket. Yeah, he's he's rocking the old school like '60s, just wearing a nice comfy jacket. He's got the flannel jacket on, just keeping himself warm. Yeah, he looks like the bush. He looks like Fred Bear out here. Hey, man, it's like just it's, killing it though. You know, it's funny how that generation, uh, like our grandparents and even some of our parents, grew up hunting with such different equipment that we have today. You know, like we have these custom turrets and angle measuring range finders. You know, so if you got a deer 500 yards, it's real easy to adjust. But it seems like you know they were a little bit more maybe oh, yeah. familiar with their rifles. Well, yeah, and, well, I mean, you look at him for instance. He went out and purchased a new rangefinder right before the hunt and i mean for him that was like 
I mean, it was a lower end vortex, but for him that was like incredible because he had <laughs> he had one like from from back in the day where we could only use it out to 100 yards. And this one, he's like, it seems like he was out there just walking around, just using it to yeah. see how far he could get that thing to go, and just loved it. You know, it's yeah. awesome. It definitely, definitely seems like the game's changed a little bit. So I don't know. Let's get into a little bit. We're out here on a general season mule deer hunt. I have no idea how many tags. I'm just out here helping you guys. But what are I guess some of the strategies that someone could put into a hunt like this like more or less i know what we've done is just kind of get out to an area where you know they're going to have deer and glass but uh anybody want to jump on what type of strategies or something that somebody could do to game plan in either selecting the tag or what to do when they actually get out here my particular strategy with this hunt is to you know take a close look at the rags how many tags are in a unit and then just really think about those early general mule deers and just decide to pick a different choice <laughs> you're talking about the general season hunts? <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean we've we've talked about it on this on the podcast before not really but i mean for the people that just want to get out and hunt i mean you could draw these tags every couple years uh not depending every, yeah if but not they've uh, actually been really fun hunts for us every on, year. a lot of times and uh, it's killed some it's decent ev- animals off general tags though it's completely typical start to hunt with people everywhere and high tag numbers and cover new <laughs> ground and covering old ground and Trying to figure out where the deer went that were there earlier and try not to get in the way of anybody else or, I don't yeah, know, what, so what's, what's your technique for this well, hunt, Aaron? I, th- I guess, I don't, you know, honestly, my technique is just to come out and have fun and hunt. Just look for, you know, areas where there's not people and get out and find some opportunities to glass and, you know, get away from the roads and mm-hmm. hike a little bit if you can. You know, I don't, yep. I wouldn't say there's too much strategy because I've had the tag before and similar to what's going on now, you can, you can do these hunts with little to pretty much zero to no scouting you know like that's that's totally a possibility yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's definitely just what the majority of people are doing yeah so you know if you're in one of the well, and you can still be successful at it too yeah so if you're in a situation where you know maybe you don't have the time to, to get out there and hoof it and, and scout and you just want to have a good time i mean that's kind of how i've treated the hunts and just been lucky enough to you know to tag deers but the the strategies for me have just always been to just try a little harder than you know the guys out here hunting because you know you'll see the the vehicles all on the roads and kicking up the deer and like your dad uh like Bubba was telling me you know you guys were just in one spot watching deer and watching people cruise around that you know aren't exactly. really ever going to see those deer so yeah I guess that's, that's well, the that's, biggest thing on this hunt is finding that pocket that people the deer are getting bumped around right. that's where the deer are going to yeah I mean where there's no people well the other thing you have to look at too and this is what I'm a firm believer in is go where you've seen deer in the past if they're in a good pocket or in a nice flat spot or wherever wherever you've seen deer in the past try to find areas that are similar to that and just start there and then work your way out and try to figure out the way to get into them that way and don't get discouraged like like you were saying if there's people you know driving in front of you or driving behind you like to a certain spot obviously you want to be courteous of you know not being on top of them but a lot of the times they're going to be looking at stuff that you know you you could probably look at a little bit better you know maybe you have a little bit better glass you have a little bit more time behind your glass you can really pick through stuff um so like i said just be courteous with where you're at like don't get right on top of them but don't feel afraid like if someone's in this area that you have to go to a whole another side of the unit just because there's a vehicle in this spot right you run in these central arizona units you run into that a lot there's good roads but there's you know a lot of to get when you get to the vantage points you know it just seems to be that other hunters are concentrated in those areas so you kind of got to work around but that's what i was getting at is just you know a little extra effort we saw a hunter tonight and he probably stayed in that spot probably never saw any deer and we just hiked out 
a mile max. It wasn't even a mile before we got into the deer. So, yeah. you know, just getting that much further away from the road or the cliff that you're sitting on, I mean, I think it kind of makes a world of difference. It's yeah. also big to, like everyone preaches, is have good glass and be able to sit behind the glass and just pay attention. Cause what about scent spray? <laughs> oh, Aaron can utilize Works that. great for cleaning your pack. <laughs> yeah. I was wishing I had some of that tonight just to spray on the pack. That thing's smelling terrible. So tonight we got in on some bucks. What do you think the opportunity, or we got in on a buck, but you guys had located bucks in that canyon earlier today. What do you think the odds are we get back in those deer tomorrow? They're right. They're right there in that same yeah. spot. Yeah. Got to be, huh? They're going to be there. You just got to have the eyes looking in every which direction. I think Dylan said it best this morning was like a lot of the times you – you overestimate, like, how smart mule deer are. <laughs> and then it's like, they end up right in the same spot where you missed them the next day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, that's you think, exactly. like, oh, like, these mule deer are so smart, they got shut out. They're going to be, like, ten canyons over a couple canyons, like, the next ridge. But realistically, they're probably going to be, you know, within a couple hundred yards of where you missed your shot the night before. Well, that herd of deer that you guys uh, had your buck in, they were already walking back to where the they were this morning they were literally beelining in that direction yeah i think if the if the water's right and the food's right i mean that's pretty pretty typical to what you know to what most of the other animals do it sounds like that's what's going on there's a lot of signs so i'm excited to get out there and hopefully we've seen a lot of stuff we have seen a lot of deer and we've we've seen a bunch of pigs saw a bunch of whitetail today we've seen elk all over the place and places we i haven't seen bulls before do you guys think that there should be a doe hunt allowed on any of these in any of these units at any time and any whether it's a youth hunt whether it's anything like that should is there a need now for doe hunts at any specific number we don't have enough deer in this part of the state to sustain something like that because then you're taking more than one animal out of the herd and generations of animals doing that and yeah it always seems like there's a ton of does in the in the units to get hit real heavy on general tags but Something's got to make the bucks. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think it'd be interesting because, like you said, we have seen a lot of deer, and a lot of them have been does. Um, you know, maybe to run back up here in, like, December or January just to see if, you know, maybe some of the big guys come out. Come, come off out the mountain. And, come off the mountain and, and come out to these herds that are down in the flats. And they do. It's, it's amazing from the time period that these general hunts happen to when in some of these units the december archery hunt and then going into january that change and what deer show up and how far they can move at that time period it it's a whole different game out here yeah but i'd imagine some of these does that we're seeing live their whole life in a you know five to ten mile radius of the location they don't move the bucks move yeah i'd imagine that they're all staying but you know they're they're always in the same pockets year to year when we're in here and we're looking for other stuff we're we're bumping deer in the same places year after year after year. No, that's absolutely true. I was just bringing that up because it seems to be that some people that get out on these general hunts and maybe, you know, I'm not saying I agree with that, but a lot of guys get out and they have an experience like, you know, seeing more, many more does compared to bucks. So the immediate thing people start talking about is, you know, should there be, should there be a season for that? I, I wouldn't say I agree with that, but I think that that's a question that, you know, I've seen people ask. So I was just curious your guys' thoughts on that. I think it'd be really easy. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> like, a youth tag. I wouldn't like let not, grown men. I'm not saying to like get the hunt, but it'd be a really easy hunt if they had doe tags out here. Yeah. Well, other states do it, but it just doesn't seem like our states have the, you know, we don't have the deer numbers, the, numbers, the yeah. population numbers that other states do. Other than deer season, we did a uh, did a handful of elk hunts this year. I had uh, I killed a bull in September. 
I know Dylan was on a hunt. And I know Cole was on a hunt. Cole, you want to give a little bit of the background on the hunt that you helped out with this year? It was a uh, it was a grind. Probably probably one of the hardest hunts I've ever done. Um, an I, an elk unit with very limited tags and very low um, uh, elk numbers. The the density is just there's almost none. I think we saw almost every elk in the unit. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know, you know, and, and it, it has produced really good elk in the past. And I just, I, I know it was a really tough year to find um, good elk. There was a lot of guys that, that, that hunted hard and, and did kill some really nice bulls. But I really think that um, our drought that we had going into the, the elk hunts really, really hurt a lot of the elk with their, their antler growth. Um, deer not so much because we did get a lot of, a lot of rain and during the monsoon, but um we just didn't really find any any huge bulls, really. You know, not that not that we were really expecting to, which is which is not strange, you know, on a year like this. But um, we had high expectations just because of some of the bulls that have been killed in the right. year in the past. Um, but I ended up getting a bull on the second to last day, and um, client was happy. I was happy. We got some some good elk meat, but I mean, the pack out was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, well, you also saw a lot of bears on that, which was kind of cool on that hunt. You ended up, oh, yeah. it seemed like you were seeing bears left and right. If anything, more bears better bears than, than you were seeing better elk. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that's like, and that was kind of the logic that I had about this spot was like, we found some really big coos deer. Uh, we found some really big bear, and I was like, you know, there's big coos deer, there's big bear, there's got to be a big elk in here. <laughs> <laughs> got to be at least one. At least one big elk. Um, and we, I mean, we found, we chased a, a pretty good bull around, but just ended up, you know, shooting a nice, nice five by six. Um, and like I said, the client was happy and, um, shot it, you know, we, we called bulls into us, you know, to five yards and got to really experience, you know, good rutting conditions, um, for a couple of days where they were super vocal and, and responding and coming in, um, called in like a little raghorn to like 10 feet of us, which was <laughs> absolutely insane. I don't know if, you know, if any of you guys have had any of those experiences where they're like breathing in front of you oh, and yeah. you're like feared for your life almost because they have this you know 600 pound animal just like right. looking at you in the eyes like where's the cow where's the cow just all hyped up but yeah no it's a it's a super neat experience i think that's the best part about those september hunts is just uh the close encounters that you can have with um if you're lucky enough to have that close encounter with a good bull then great but even like having an encounter with you know like a fawn or a cow elk or something like that like it, it really gets your blood flowing because you can get you you could get within 10, 15 yards where you could oh, smell yeah. them and you could see them blink. You see their nostrils flare. It's just well, that's like the client had my client. Uh, his name's Jason. He knocked an arrow and was like, "Dude, I was just gonna shoot that bull because I thought it was gonna stampede you." He was like, <laughs> "He was like, I'm gonna protect you right now because the bull was so close to us." So it was just, I mean, like you said, it's just your heart gets pounding like you know nothing that you can really, really explain. You kind of have to just experience it. Yeah, those those September hunts, man, it just makes you want to not hunt elk any other time of the year. It's, yeah. it's a toss-up between that and bear hunting for being number one as far as mm-hmm. oh. the thrill that you get out of it. What about you, Dylan? I know you helped, uh, I thought it was a family member you helped this year on a, yeah, an elk hunt. Early rifle hunt. and Man, it was it was a grind, too, like Cole said. Uh, we had a hurricane roll through the state and, and just dump rain on us for for three days during the hunt and spent quite a bit of time scouting and and like cole said i i I think the drought had a huge effect and and cut bulls of the right age class from actually being anywhere close to their potential and uh man we looked at a lot of elk on uh, scouting and 
during that hunt and we saw over 100 bulls during the hunt and had tons of shot opportunities passed on some decent bulls and never saw anything that was just super eye-catching or spectacular or we just had to take that one so we just kept grinding trying you know looking for the right bull the right age class and something that actually got something to eat in the <laughs> springtime yeah and it, it didn't happen we dealt like i said with the weather and i mean how many i felt like you guys were out there for 10 days or how many days were you out there uh yeah we were out there in 10 nine and a half days Man. Uh, and during during the hunt and before days before and then of course all the weekends leading up to that hunt and um collection came out for for a little portion of the hunt there and helped me out and all we did was go get rained on together <laughs> <laughs> we, we did see a ton of elk in the in the rain we played with them through the storm the entire time and still had them talking still were calling in bulls still having close encounters but it's just a, a whole another another level of complication to to go into it just trying to keep things dry that should be dry right and, yeah and keep all the equipment in working order and and being able to see through your optics while it's pouring rain and you're calling in elk and so it was it was definitely experience never been on a on an early elk hunt that was that wet and just dominated the scenery of the hunt uh but last day came down to it and jeff didn't want to leave his tag unfilled and we said okay we're done being picky so we went and got on a bull and and played with him and i ended up calling the bull into 77 yards and awesome and he got a shot in the trees with the rifle and we got him taken care of and got out of there and it's it's an older six by and and really unique looking bull but filled up the eight foot table full of meat and a couple ice chests and and didn't didn't want to go home without filling up the freezers yeah you got to do it with family too i think the coolest part though when i was up on that hunt was we were driving across this road just after it got i mean the rain kind of let up a little bit and we see like these fresh tracks in the road kind of like you know if you're hunting like a late hunt you see like fresh fresh snow on the ground you see some fresh tracks well we saw that with like the mud and uh followed the tracks up the hill and next thing you know the bull was like standing right over there really you know, that was like my first experience where you i've yeah, ever I was like where you I've ever, go track them in the mud and, yeah and like it worked where i've ever tracked an animal in the mud that close and and it just to it be that successful and like that easy it was like just like oh you know it's gonna oh that, gonna go that was actually the same walk up the hill we we're tracking that thing and i picked up a pocket knife right in the elk's true. tracks hmm. poor thing dropped his knife <laughs> uh we got an on the spot question for both of you guys did you learn anything on either of your hunts i think the most eye-opening thing for me would on like the the elk hunts this year would be um point guard like I was like this guy of like oh you know I don't want to get point guard because that's just like donating five bucks to game and fish, but to the flip side of that it like opened my eyes to being like okay we if you have a bunch of tags like some of these guys that put in for these early rifle tags you know and burned like twenty years of putting in for okay to get these trophy tags these coveted tags um, and there to be a poor antler growth here oh, like they saw that right and a lot of guys that purchased point guard were able to trade their tag back in and get all their points back right so just kind of like i said to open my eyes to like okay i mean you have it's a whole nother benefit to having that having just like when it's when it's an emergency situation or something like that yeah no i actually didn't even think about that because you can forecast it in a sense you know i mean you could i don't know how how soon before the hunt can you surrender your tag i I believe up to the day before the the day before the hunt oh my gosh yeah so that's an incredible advantage like 
Yeah, on an antler growth year. So this year we had a historic drought year, so historic. it would have been. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, I would say, like, obviously I learned some new, like, techniques and stuff, but overall that was probably, like, my biggest takeaway is, like, man, I'm going to start getting point guard when I have points yeah. added up, you know? No, it makes sense. What about you, Dylan? Got anything specific you learned? Something different that happened? <laughs> man, lots of stuff happened, but it, the more you get to play with elk, the more you learn about elk and elk behavior and, and how to anticipate what they're doing and, and when you're calling them, uh, getting them to do what you want them to do and, and getting set up in the right situation and, uh, there's no better way to learn that stuff than to just go have lots of encounters and, yeah. and be in elk and every hunt we get to do it's more and more on top of that that we have to learn and grow with with our knowledge and uh, definitely learn the value of rain gear and uh, waterproof <laughs> boots and uh, yeah don't wear your old super broken awesome comfy boots or middle of the rainstorm because they are not waterproof anymore <laughs> and you'll be pretty miserable with wet feet and everything else will be nice and nice and dry but just it was it was an incredible season actually we played with a ton of elk uh, played with a ton of elk on your hunt for the for the couple of days that i got to come out and i didn't have any complaint about the quality of the rut or anything like that mm -hmm. you know people always say it's spotty and i uh, didn't see that it didn't seem to matter where i went or what unit i was in that i got to play with elk uh, before the hunts during the hunts uh we were we were in elk playing with elk calling elk having interactions daily and multiple shot opportunities and it was just a freaking blast like always a tangent on the whole point guard thing <laughs> this was it, bugging the crap out of you it, i saw you well it kind of <laughs> relates over it kind of relates to tanner in a sense because say you're that guy that game and fish calls up after tags have been issued and is like hey someone surrendered their tag here's your tag well this could be like two three days before the hunt starts and you get this tag and you're like well shit you know i haven't scouted at all <laughs> Like, what do I do? How do I go about this hunt? And Tanner had the same thing with his wife, um, who got a tag through, who was it, Hunts for Heroes? Um, it was Justin Youngman and out, or, I know, Changed by, changed changed by, nature. by nature. So, like, they got a tag for an elk hunt, and, like, they didn't have, they didn't scout at all for the unit. But they went in, I mean, you guys played with that. You guys we talk, had a, talk a little bit about that? We had a few bulls that we were able to get on. Um, called them in, got them in close, just... A lot of people in that unit, a lot of guys that didn't think of that point guard aspect of it where they could turn it in. <laughs> but we saw two nice bulls actually. Most people don't want to turn their elk tags in. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Especially in that unit. Um, but it was it was a good time. I will say that I didn't hear the action like everyone else, like Dylan and Cole and all them were saying. Um, but we didn't actually get to hunt a whole lot either. Um because we were given it last minute we didn't get time to take off work and whatnot so we were hunting the weekends pretty hard uh but we did get in some opportunities called some bulls in close but just couldn't get it done so how did you game plan though like what was your guys logic about like areas you wanted to hit or like what was your yeah, tactics I mean, you going had in a, you had a three day you notice three days notice before you had to go on this hunt well you guys are a wealth of knowledge that were able to give us some good general <laughs> areas which definitely helped um but the key thing is, is just covering ground. That was the one thing that we were trying some spots that you guys suggested, and there was no signs, nothing was talking. I was I pulled a couple of days where I was getting four or five hours of sleep because I was driving around all night trying to get them to talk, and I just couldn't get anything to really talk except for a few small areas. Um, but when I did, they were they were going hard, and there were multiple bulls in the area, and they were just nonstop talking. 
You said the tag was through Change by Nature Outdoors with yeah. Justin Young. Yeah. That's good for him, man. That guy's been actually he's gotten a lot of people tags this yeah, year, at least been, that I've seen. He's been helping a lot of guys out that a lot of people are not able to go on these hunts and letting vets and different people that definitely could utilize a tag like that and got he I've heard some awesome stories. I talked to him pretty often he's got some really cool stories too awesome good for that guy so man. was your wife changed by nature no. <laughs> she a little bit yeah i mean my old kind of guess couldn't have been any more different than your experience tanner because it was not a grind it seemed like just about everywhere <laughs> we went we were calling and getting hey, responses hey, you want to go check down that road yeah it's like and you know basically i think our strategy was to just to find some some canyons that had good topography in it get to the mouth of those canyons and just bugle and if we got any response you know hopefully more than one but if we got some responses that intrigued us we were going to go after them because at least on my hunt they were bugling but they didn't seem very responsive to the cow calls so early on we're like you know what we're going to use both but we're going to primarily try to try to chase the bulls and i was lucky enough to have dylan with me a couple days and this guy hunts fast man like i thought I thought last year I learned how to hunt elk fast, but he's re- he like when when it's go time on on a bugle, then it's go time, you know. And and the backside of that is once you get into that comfort zone, going about as slow as you can. Definitely. Like, so you so you get into like as as fast as you can into that seventy five yard bubble, or about, and then from that seventy five yard that, bubble. That's about what it wasn't on. You know, in that specific terrain yeah that's 75 to 100 yards yeah that's how it's working out for us once you get into that it's like slow motion you know if you can't get them to come the slow motion towards them but one thing that i that i did on this hunt uh with you didn't really pay attention to on previous hunts september can be warm and it would seem kind of warm on my hunt in general areas and staying on those shaded side of the hills and working the side of the hills that you knew the elk were going to be on in the morning and then in the afternoon that's ultimately how i ended up killing my bull i was just basically chasing the shade and chasing where the elk were moving to we got into some canyons that were kind of split a couple canyons side by side so at any given time of the day there was going to be shade on one side of the canyon so we would start on the shaded side as the sun would come up we would follow across the canyon and go to the other side of the shade and it just seemed like I was able to hunt this year with that method longer than I had been able to hunt in previous years just because I was out chasing you know a bugle until I couldn't find it anymore but Ultimately, when I killed my bull, I had known, because from hunting that same area a couple nights in a row, I had known right where the elk were walking to. So I was able to, that afternoon, just kind of get right in the area. And as soon as I bugled, I knew, you know, I knew it was on. That's awesome when you finally find a spot that's got the right caliber elk you want to chase. And especially on those early archery hunts, you have two weeks that the season's open. And you can get in on bulls a couple of times and, and learn what their pattern is from morning to to midday and then to evening and and those those routes that they take through the ridges and and you know maybe there's a saddle that you missed on the top of that you didn't see that they travel through on a regular basis and figuring out where they go and that hunting fast you like talking about as you know the first day we do it we're following them and the second day we know the topography and it in first person not just looking at a map and it also is cutting down our time getting to where we need to be to play with the elk what do you guys feel about um like pulling tree stands out of a 
an area like during the hunt <laughs> so while the hunt's going oh on. man what cole's alluding to is on my hunt i had finally got in on the bull on the bull on the elk that i you know wanted to kill and it the one we never could see when i was there yeah so <laughs> i finally worked my way into you know a 330 plus inch elk and really was everything i was looking for a good six by six with the whale tails and just it was the elk and first morning out there by myself i got in on this bull and i chased that bull for a good three hours that morning from first light coming around all the way around until about 9 a.m and just just chased him 100 yards behind and could never get in range and finally get in a scenario where everything is going to work i got it set up and there's some cow elk to my left the bulls on the right and i just knew that I was going to be able to bridge the gap and get closer and get get in the right position and all of a sudden I just hear the screeching noise just getting closer and closer <laughs> coming up and turn around and say what is that and, yeah and unfortunately somebody was lucky that morning and killed Nelk and decided to <laughs> drag <laughs> his tree stand hey more power to him I, down I mean, the gravel road in the in the moment I looked over I was like what are you doing man <laughs> shut up you know it's like there's an elk right there but after I kind of went and talked to him you know, you don't blame the guy. He was, you know, he, his hunt was done for all he for all he mm-hmm. cared. So, it's just a funny story, man. So, like, question I have is on your hunt. Did you guys call any uh, hunters in? No, we actually on my hunt no, we didn't. We got in range of one hunter. I'm not there, sure there was, he ever. Yeah, saw there were some us. other elk, uh, other hunters going in on the, on the same elk that we were coming in from a different angle, but we never. Actually, he, that guy definitely saw us when we crossed that meadow. Oh, yeah, 100%. We, yeah, he saw us. But at first, he I think he was maybe actually, yeah, he might have been coming towards us, but not really. He wasn't He wasn't doing no harm. He was just out there hunting by himself. Do you guys think, I know you guys talked with some people like around your camp, and it sounded like the rut was just absolutely on fire for you guys, right? Like you guys had bulls responding to you, seemed like all times throughout the day. And then, like, a guy that's camped right down the road, you know, you stop by camp, say hi to him, see what's going on for him. And, like, they just say it's, like, dead quiet for him. Well, I think... I do think you think a, that it's, like, they're not hunting the right area? They can't I hear? They common, can't no, call? Like, I what think, do you think? I think a lot of what that was is we found the right pockets of elk. Uh-huh. And we found what the elk were responding to. And I th- everybody up there was having success seeing elk. But it just seemed like our strategy, you know. Our our specific intent was to to move around the unit until we found an elk elk that wanted to play with us. We weren't stuck hunting one area or the area that that Aaron had been to the year before when he drew and hunted that because of history. We we just started with the blank slate, and we we went and looked for the elk. We didn't look for the specific terrain in that unit or or area that meant something to us to go hunt because there might not be the animal you're looking for there in the next year. the, the pocket that we found, man, it's like literally when we stopped in Dylan's truck, when we slowed down and his brakes squeaked, it cracked it, made an elk bugle right on the side of the road. So that's what I'm trying to get at, though, is like, you know, people say, oh, you know, the rut is not kicking in. But, like, you think they just need to, like, move around a little bit more, check out some new spots, yeah. rip some more bugles in a different canyon. and So yeah. so if you're in the right country, then you're going to probably the, find The rut them. could be on, and you could not be hearing bugles. Not all not all elk talk all the time. That's yeah, um, We just choose to go around and find the elk that do want to talk because we have enough elk to play with where we've been hunting. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course, low-density areas, that might not be an option like where Cole was. Uh, you go to the next canyon, there might not be elk in that one or the next one or the next one. Um, so when, when you're finding elk in places like that, you're you're sticking with those elk. Uh, 
because there's not a whole lot else to look for. So on a lot of these hunts, this is got to be thinking about this. I don't know why my mind went here. Guys shoot elk and don't recover them. Or guys uh, maybe hit an elk and don't hit it well. How much effort should you put into recovering a wounded elk? Far beyond a reasonable effort. Dude, I had I had my, my pastor at my church had an elk tag this year. And he shot an elk on, like, I think it was, like, day, day like, 10. He didn't stop looking for, like, the rest of the hunt for that elk. He knew he hit it good. He just couldn't find it. And he finally found it on the last day of the hunt. Granted, the meat was spoiled, but he didn't chase other elk. He just kept looking because he knew he hit it good. He knew it was a lethal shot. He found the arrow. Yeah, he just couldn't find the you elk. you know it's a good shot. You know what I mean? Like, if you double lung an elk and you, like, are like, dude, I smoked that elk. You shouldn't go out and kill another elk. You should look for that elk. I just bring it up because it seems like every year, um, you know, with, with the archery hunts, you know, guys lose their elk. I don't think it's as many with, with as... With all the hunts, regardless yeah. of yeah. weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you regardless just, of weapon. You're on Facebook and you see like, hey, found an elk here, found yeah. an elk there. Like, I, I just think you have to go to the point where you're like, okay, this is now ridiculous. And, and that that's not going out looking for two hours and being like, well, I didn't find anything. Um I, I shot a bull several years ago on an archery hunt, and I knew it was a good hit. I watched, I had a, a lighted knock and watched the arrow go through it, knew exactly where my hit was, and we got on good blood and gave it time and thought it was adequate and ended up bumping the bull and losing the blood trail. And I knew that that bull was 100% dead, but where it went into had no idea what direction it went. Um, and we ended up tracking it as late as we could and came back the next day and it ended up taking 40 miles of walking before it finally located that bull. And it straight line from where we bumped it to where it was wasn't very far, but the, right. the terrain dictated us going certain paths or following where the herd went, and it just took a while to recover it. And it just, uh, we had a, a incident a few weeks ago on a bear hunt, wounding a bear, and uh, we were we thought it was a really good hit, and went after the thing went when it crazy situation crazy weather um just absolutely ridiculous descent into a canyon in the mud and the rocks and and got to the point in, in that case where we had so much weather coming in on top of us that we had to call it because it was unsafe at that yeah. point you don't want to be in a slot canyon with the hurricane coming through it's just oh that just thinking back of the video that shot of that bear just makes me sick Okay, touching on what you just said, another thing that people probably should start looking at doing is videoing a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Like, you can see shots and you can look at it, and sometimes you'll be like, Video oh, I thought doesn't that, lie. Yeah, you, you thought you hit something, like with my grandpa's buck that he took a shot at today. He felt really good about it. He's like, oh, I hit that buck. And I'm like, it looked like a hit it jump, but then when we looked at the film, it just missed low. And that buck jumped, and it did a little reaction because it had rocks blow up under it, but, like... <laughs> Video doesn't lie, and that really came to allowing us uh, we, to feel good about that. We've had that happen a number of times this year. We're 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 calling it spotting and and filming it at the same time. And in the instant, we're like, "That's a hit," because the animal reaction. And then, you know, the animal goes in some brush, and you got a second, and you pull the phone off, and you rewind the film, and you watch it, and you zoom in, and you're like, "Never mind, that wasn't a hit. Like that was a bad call yeah. on the shot." Uh, yeah, it doesn't. The film does not lie at you, all. And you don't have to have a fancy camera. Exactly. Like, get nothing. a phone scope, the universal phone scope. I mean, if you're going to be looking at the animal, if you have a spotter looking through the animal at the same time, you know, throw your phone scope on. I mean, I mean our training is a little bit more difficult. 
you know it's if it's just you solo it's kind of tough to get you know film the shot but at the same time you know if you're hunting with multiple people it's not a bad idea to have someone running a camera behind you yeah i think we we try to get a camera set up every single rifle shot pretty much like i can't think of any one rifle shot where we've unless something really just dramatically happens real quick like we've i could maybe one bear we shot at this year because it just was just right in front of us just about every other time though i mean we got a cameraman uh with a phone scope somebody spotting and you know just checking and watching i got the shot tonight you know on film so cole didn't get the shot today (laughs) (laughs) it happened really fast okay i couldn't get my phone out That that deer you got shot earlier today happened quick. Yeah, it was it was really quick. I mean, Con, my buddy Connor could have had a a, a phone scope set up, but he had not even to go. Got Connor. over the mountain, but it was you know it just it happened quick because the deer was coming down to a ravine. It was like if the deer got into the ravine, we wouldn't have got a shot on it. So it was like Bubba had to get benched up quick. I just <laughs> threw my glass up on it and was. I wish I was there for that. It's like just on it, you know. I'm but hoping I'm hoping Percy gets a gets a similar opportunity tomorrow. Oh, I think we'll get I on mean, them tomorrow. And I wish I did have film of it because like who doesn't like kill shots? Like I think kill shots are sweet. <laughs> yeah. Like post that on YouTube instead of like bad bloody game photos. Like let me see your kill oh shot before God. I see a bad bloody game photo, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the I think the worst part about general deer season are the pictures that people post of their deers. Oh, it's like so good bad. lord. Like blood just hanging every, or like the, my favorite favorite one like all-time favorite one is like they've already like um gutted gutted it and it's just like <laughs> guts hanging all around and they just like take their field photo like oh we forgot to take pictures let's snap one real quick while uh, the guts are just all around it's it. blood it's a, caked it's a on the close tie it. with the arrow still in the body it's a close <laughs> tie pull the arrow out <laughs> oh, so true take I mean, that picture frame it put it on your wall at home don't post it on the internet <laughs> That could be an episode in itself, it's game photos. No, we, we briefly talked about it in a podcast, but I, we talked about it with Matt Woodward a little bit, and he, do you think he told me he had a whole checklist that he gives? Oh, yeah. He said oh, he has yeah, a checklist yeah. he gives people? Yeah, so, no, I mean, it's just, it's a bad look, you know, to have that tongue hanging out, but you could even get creative. I was just talking with somebody that said, you know, they took a picture of a field animal and the tongue was hanging out, and he said he photoshopped it before he put it out on the internet, just so you couldn't see the tongue, you know, so... It would, you don't have any options if you make a little mistake. Tuck it in You're quick like, or cut it off with a knife. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the other thing, too, is you you got to show respect to that animal. It gave its life for you to eat it and stuff like that. Like, give it some respect that it deserves. I don't know that that animal was Jesus, but I think you probably took its life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just gave his life to you. Yeah. He just tipped over dead right there for you. Yeah. I'm waiting for a deer tomorrow to do that for Percy. He needs to just go so ahead and give it. It can life. just give it give it right to us. Yeah. Oh, that's like, what was happening. The mule deer looks at you. Just I, yeah, I right thought that's way. what happened this morning. It like just got light, it just like perfect glassy light. <laughs> Couple canyons away. Well those yeah. guys those guys that are really good at Photoshop, they photoshop the tongue out and then they add like 10 inches of antler to it (laughs) (laughs) oh man you were a pro at photoshop if you can do that yeah no there's uh there was a picture of a deer that floated around on the internet for a line it just seems like once a year fool some 40 plus year old (laughs) guy you know it doesn't have good quality on his phone it's like oh my god that's a massive yeah it's a picture of a deer in the desert and it's like 300 inch mule deer or something (laughs) like that and every once in a while you get like you know old guy posters like look at the size of this buck right here my buddy just sent this to me 
Look at the uh, pixels around that tip right there. Yeah, that's not typical. Yeah. We appreciate everybody who joined us this evening. If you're enjoying the podcast, we do ask, give us a like, uh, a comment. Even better, tell one of your friends. Thank you guys all for listening, and have a great night.